Hello, hello. I hope you're doing wonderful. Welcome back. It's good to be with you. This is the On Being Christian podcast. My name's Nolan Ruby. I'm the host of the Wasatch, or excuse me, I'm the host of the On Being Christian podcast, which is a ministry of Wasatch Front Baptist Church, of which I am the pastor here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you so much for being with us. We are in the middle of a series right now out of Matthew chapter 5, a series commonly referred to as the Beatitudes. I'm very much enjoying this. This is one of those sections of Scripture that have been preached on and preached on and preached on. Over the ages, men have taken a lot from Matthew chapter 5, and the reality is is that this sermon, which the Lord begins with Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12, runs the duration of chapter 5, chapter 6, and also chapter 7. So after we're done looking at each one of these characteristics found within the first 12 verses, <clears throat> the chances are good that we will go ahead and continue the Sermon on the Mount and um, see in context what Jesus Christ is saying to his disciples. Listen, I'm so glad you're here with us. I hope you're staying cool this summer. Um, I had the best of intentions this summer to get out and do quite a lot of things, of which I have done very few of them. The schedule took off on me, and I have been traveling a good bit. Some of it has been good. Some of it has been not great. We started off the summer by getting into an accident. Everybody's okay. Everything's fine. But I did lose my truck, and I really, really liked that truck. Um, But the Lord provided. Everything's okay. And so as we kind of move through, I know my kids are already doing the back-to-school shopping, and perhaps yours are already getting ready to do the same Um, This study out of Matthew chapter 5 will take us right into the beginning of the school year and subsequently uh, fall. So let's get into it. Matthew chapter 5, let's go ahead and read the text of where we find these characteristics, and then I'll draw your attention to the third characteristic that we have yet to look at. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now, if we go back just for introductory purposes, we started off by looking at chapter 5, verse 3, which says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And we learn that the poor, a word described to crouch or to, in essence, be a beggar, the poor are those who carry a burden. The poor are those who are underweight, for the glorification and the testimony of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Luke 6, 20 says, Blessed be the poor. Fifty-one, Psalm 51, verse 17 says, uh, Those that are, are broken and a contrite heart, these are the things that the Lord will not despise. 
And so uh, in, in Psalm 34, we see that the Lord is nigh those who are broken and contrite. And Proverbs 16 talks about the humble spirit is better with the Lord. And so we understand a poor spirit, <clears throat> those who are under burden for the cause of others. The Bible says that's blessed. And then last week we looked at they that mourn, mourn being that word described as to grieve, the feeling or act of, of bewailing. Uh, it says, for they shall be comforted. And we spend a lot of time talking about the fact that uh, sometimes we define mourning as directly related to things that you and I ourselves are going through, and the Bible kind of lays out a different picture. The Bible lays out the picture that sometimes we can be, in fact, the more grievous, if you will, form of mourning is that, is that weight that we carry for other people, is that... that um, grieving or grieved nature that we have because someone else is going through something and there's not much we can do to help them. It says, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. On the other side, there is comfort. We talked about the fact that you do not have to let the victimized situations of your life define you. You can be better than that through the testimony and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You can move past trauma. You'll never not be the person that went through it but you don't have to be defined by it. Now let's spend some time and talk about the meek. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is an interesting, this is an interesting word. It's an interesting concept, one in which I very much enjoy preaching about, because the Bible defines the word meek, I think, differently than what our culture has defined it. The word here, meek, means mild, but by implication, it's mild as it applies to humility, to being humble. Different definition for this is a soft temper, not easily provoked, not easily irritated. Now, if there's anything that defines our culture differently than what our culture actually is, it's this word meek. Soft-tempered, not easily provoked, not easily irritated. That is the opposite of what our culture is. Our culture right now is very hot-tempered, easily, easily irritated, provoked, offended, triggered, if you will. This is the exact opposite of the definition of the word meek. Meek, in some ways, has come to be defined as a weak attribute, because that is that's been the way it has been displayed, when in actuality, it is a great strength to take aggression towards oneself without breaking is an incredible strength. You see, the world that you and I live in has taken this idea of meekness and has put it into the category of like a weakness. You think of the little mouse in the corner who just can't run fast enough to get away. Meekness in the world that you and I live in, has been uh, connected as a synonym with weakness. And I totally reject that. I absolutely, completely reject that concept. Meekness is actually, according to the Word of God, one of the greatest forms of strength that a Christian can portray. That, that form of strength that, is, um, that, that can take aggression— towards oneself 
without breaking. Most of the time, not only can we not take any form of aggression as a culture, we can't even take someone's words about aggression that we subjectively perceive. We're all over people over the choice of wrong words. If somebody uses the wrong word to define you or someone doesn't use the right word, which you have subjectively determined defines you, even though biologically or sociologically it has nothing to do with you, you have decided that it does, and we get offended when people don't honor the lies we tell ourselves. Isn't that really what it's about? It's easy to point at things like cultural uh, extremes, which are not so extreme today, but at one point they were cultural extremes where you have someone who has decided that gender is a completely separate thing than biological reality, that it's a, that it's a, a, um, a subjective holding of a picture in your own head about yourself. That used to be extreme. It's not so extreme anymore, but let's not pick on that. Let's pick, let's just look at you and, and I. If you're listening to this, there's a good chance that at some level you define yourself as a Christian. But does that definition hold true of what the Bible says a Christian is? Or am I defining myself as a Christian because my dad was a Christian, or my mom was a Christian, or my grandpa was a Christian, or I have some distant connection to the thought that there might, could possibly be a God, and if there is, I certainly would like to meet him one day, but if not, I don't really care, and I certainly am not really all that invested about him getting involved in my life, the particulars of my life. You see, it's so easy for us, folks, to look at this as the pendulum swings to the extremes, but let's just look at it in our life. This is, as a pastor, I'm telling you, this is, I see this all the time. There'll be a moment within the message that I am preaching, and you can sense someone within the congregation sitting there hoping so-and-so is listening. And the message has absolutely, completely, totally escaped them because the only thing that they can think about is that they hope so-and-so, who they decide needs this message more than they do, is listening, and they're the ones the Lord's talking to, and they're not getting it. That's exactly the, the, the term, that's exactly the concept that I want you to avoid and let this idea of whether or not you are portraying the characteristic nature of meekness be defined by the Bible, not be defined by you, because that's usually what we do. We define things, words, we apply them to our lives as we describe them, even though in reality it's not in keeping with how the word is actually described by God and God's word and, and the Lord in the Bible. We redefine it, claim it, and then foolishly hold to our own definitions over the definitions of the Lord to our hurt and the hurt of those around us because we've chosen to believe what we think is true over what the Bible says is true. I say all of that to say this. Meekness is one of those attributes that has fallen to a redefinition by the culture that you and I live in. And this podcast, specifically this um, particular episode, I'd like to change the way that we think about this word. Meekness, I'd like to add some manliness, some aggression to it. I'd like to add some value to it. And I'd like you to ask yourself, if this is something that your life is portraying, not your mind is, is, is 
uh, putting out there for you to think that you're doing it. Okay. So <clears throat> this is an actual strengthening term. It's, it's about being able to take aggression towards oneself without breaking. If we jump over to Psalm 37, I really do enjoy the Psalms. There's so much in them. And, um, it's a place where I go for encouragement, to say the least. Psalm chapter 37, and let's jump down to verse 11 here. The Bible says, But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The thought here, the reward for strength in the face of adversity is the abundance of peace. Did you catch that? Psalm 37, 11. It says, but the meek shall inherit the earth. And then the delight there, the, the, the and, and excuse me, um, and shall delight. So the meek shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Now, <clears throat> it's easy to comprehend that the meek like peace. What's a little bit more difficult to understand because our culture has done away with this is that the meek make peace. And that's something that we've not understood. According to this, Psalm chapter 37, verse 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. I want you to understand, there is no peace without the, in a fallen world, for example, there is no peace um, that is provided to people without a strength somewhere enforcing that peace. So the thought that came to mind is the reward for strength in the face of adversity is an abundance of peace. It's easy to pick on people who are enforcers. And we would look at law enforcement officers or military personnel, and we would not immediately think that's a very meek person. But the idea of meekness is being able to take aggression towards oneself without breaking. And I'm here to tell you, that is our military and our first responders today. So I'm a chaplain with the Salt Lake City Police Department, and I am out with the officers at least two, sometimes three times a week. And as just a person who's riding along with them, going on calls with them, being there with them, I have witnessed these law enforcement officers take more aggression and more hurtful, poisonous comments and symbolisms from the people on the street or just in the car next to us at the stoplight, they take this all the time, every day, day in, day out, sometimes five, six, and in light of the current culture and them not being able to keep enough people on, sometimes seven days a week, these men and women go out into the world and they take aggression. Now, I want you to ask yourself this question. If they weren't there to meekly, professionally, and, and, and empathetically take this aggression, who, where would that aggression go? I want you to, are you understanding what I'm saying? We, my grandfather used to tell me, the higher up the tree the monkey climbs, the more of his rear end you see. You say, what in the world does that have to do with anything? It's easy for us to throw stones at the glass houses that our law enforcement officers live in. But in reality, they get up every single day 
and they take aggression. That aggression would go somewhere if they weren't taking it. And I want you to ask yourself, where would it go? Do you think it would just disappear? Do you think that the only ones who the aggressors are being aggressive towards is the law enforcement officers? No, the aggressors are being aggressive towards law enforcement officers because the law enforcement officers are the ones who stand in the gap between us and the aggressors. So in that context, with the definition of the word meek, meaning to be able to take aggression without breaking, would our law enforcement officers, first responders, military personnel, would they not be the definition of the word meek? And you, if you're going to, according to the word of God, um, the meek shall inherit the earth, are you someone who can take aggression and not be broken? Are you someone who can take the wrongs of life and respond with professionalism and courtesy and love? That's what meekness is. Meekness is not taking it like a broken, scared little mouse. Meekness is building up enough strength to take aggression without being broken. The meek shall inherit, the Bible says, and the result of that inheritance, the result of their action, is an abundance of peace. Now, we're losing this. Our culture is chewing up and spitting out law enforcement officers and first responders left and right, and you're not going to know what you have until one day you wake up and you don't have it. That's just, that's just human history proves that to be true. Meekness. It's not a broken mind. It's not a broken heart. It's not a broken spirit. It's strength. It's strong mind, strong heart, strong spirit. The Bible says those who are meek shall inherit the earth. The abundance of peace shall be their reward. They will delight in it. There is no officer that I have ever met, and I've met quite a few, there is no law enforcement personnel. There's no military personnel. And I was a United States Marine. I was a machine gunner with the 3rd Battalion, 8th Marines out of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And here's what I'll tell you. For all the bravado and the big talk, peace is what the men and women behind the badge desire more than anything else. That's what they want. And they're, they're, they want it so much that they're prepared to put their life on the line for it even though you don't accept it or you don't understand the value of what they're doing. That is what meekness is, standing in the gap between the aggressors and the target of their aggression, which is innocence. The meek shall inherit the earth, and the abundance of peace shall be their reward. They will delight in that. If you jump over to Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4 and I'll read 13 through 14 here, Romans 4, 13 through 14, for the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they had, or excuse me, for if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise is made of none effect because the law worketh wrath for where no law is, there is no transgression. If we jump down here to verse 16, therefore it is faith that it might be grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is of faith, 
uh, of Abraham, who is the father of us all. We talk about Abraham and, and the things that he has here. I want to I want to draw your attention to one term, the heir of promise. The heir of promise. You see that in chapter twelve. Four, uh, excuse me, chapter four, verse thirteen. The promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The heir of promise is by faith, not by strength or by faith, or excuse me, not by strength. Our faith is our strength. Our strength is our faith. You say, what does that have to do with what you just said about law enforcement officers? Folks, I want you to understand. Meekness is going into situations, not having a clue as to what you're walking into, trusting the Lord that he'll be there with you when you get there. That's meekness. Meekness is not being scared of every single situation and running away. Meekness is not being broken or victimized or worthless or, or, or petty. Meekness is strength, and that strength is made possible by faith. Blessed are the meek, those who have faith, those who walk toward the sound of the guns, not because they are something special, but because they know they have a God with them who is special. They shall inherit the earth. The abundance of peace shall be their reward. It's interesting <clears throat> Again, I, I didn't expect to use this as a illustration as much, but it, it's a it's applicable. When I'm with an officer and they get a call, and you can tell through the dispatch that maybe the person that made the call is not necessarily in a good state of mind. I want you to understand something. That officer is gonna put his lights on, and if applicable, put his sirens on. And he's going to close the distance between him and that person or between her and that person as fast as they possibly can. Okay? They're doing that because they are meek. They're doing that because you say, well, they're doing it because it's their job. <laughs> Folks, there's not an amount of money in the world that would send most people into some of these situations that these officers deal with every day. So let's just set that aside. They're closing that distance because that's how they're built, okay? They have no guarantee in their mind that when they get there, they won't be outmanned. They could possibly be outmanned. They most likely will be outgunned. They could be outnumbered drastically in every sense of the word, but they're still going to go. They're still going to go. Now, let's translate that over into the Christian life. Meekness with respect to being a Christian, is about knowing that no matter where the Lord calls you to, no matter what the Lord asks you to do, you close the distance between you and the object that the Lord gave you as fast as you can, knowing that when you get there, it won't be your strength that gets you through it. It'll be the strength of the Lord. You know when you get there that it's not going to be your ability that's going to give you the confidence to see this through to a resolution. You know that when you get there, the Lord's strength will be with you, and it's the Lord's strength that people are going to see, and it's the Lord's strength that, that's going to bring this situation to a resolution that brings glory to the Lord. You are simply the meek person who put his hand up and said, Here am I, Lord, send me. Not because you know what you're doing, but because you have faith in the fact that the Lord knows what he's doing. That's the meek.
That's the kind of meekness that will inherit the earth. If you jump down 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, let's look at what the Bible says here. The Bible says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want you to notice what Paul said here. He said, oh, I'm the right guy for the job. I'm confident of it. But it's not because of my strength. It's actually because of my weakness. Because in my weakness, the strength of the Lord is made perfect. In my infirmities, you'll see the glorification of God. That's what it says, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for thee. That's what Jesus Christ told to Paul. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That is the definition of meekness, knowing that my strength has nothing to do with my confidence, knowing that my confidence has everything to do with the strength of the Lord. And when the Lord sends me into a situation, I can go with confidence because of his strength, not because of mine. My strength couldn't save me. My strength couldn't save my life. My strength couldn't get me off of some of the things that I was on, but the strength of the Lord could. And so what is meekness? Meekness is entirely, is is that mindset, which is entirely in the hands of the Lord. I can go where the Lord sends me with confidence, with encouragement, with authority and control because of who he is not because of who I am. That's meekness. It's not a brokenness, folks. It's not, it's not a sadness in the eyes. It's confidence. He says, my strength is made perfect. He says, my grace is sufficient. That word sufficient is a word that means competent. That it, the, this is a word for ample. It's fit, enough, and worthy for the cause. When David went to, um, I don't know if you've ever studied about David, but David's father, he was the youngest of his brothers. David's father sent him to his brothers who were at the front uh, fighting the Philistines. He sent David with supplies. And when David got there, there was a man named Goliath, who was a Philistine, challenging the armies of Israel, and no one was answering the call. No one was answering the challenge. And David saw that, and he got upset. And one of David's older brothers said, I know why you're here. You came down to see the battle. He said, I know the naughtiness of your heart. In other words, he was just kind of putting him down. And this is what David said to his brother when his brother questioned his integrity. David said, is there not a cause? In other words, everyone was looking at that giant. Everyone was looking at Goliath and seeing certain defeat because they were comparing their strength to his. But David looked at that Philistine giant, and instead of comparing Goliath's strength to David, David compared Goliath's strength to the Lord and said, this guy has had it. I'm done with him. He needs to go. And when people called him out on it, he said, is there not a cause? That under- I want you to understand, what was he expressing? He was expressing confidence in who the Lord was, not in who he was. Folks, he took down a giant. The Bible says 
had six fingers and six toes whose spear was the size of a weaver, weaver's beam. Okay, He took him down with a, with a rock from a river and a piece of leather. You say, well, yeah, that's... But listen, where did David get that confidence? Where did David get that? David was a meek man. He was a meek man. And when the cause was greater than himself, he focused on the strength of the Lord, not, as in, on, not on his own strength. He focused on the strength of the Lord, not on the strength of Goliath. And he said, this man must die. And he sunk a rock into his forehead and then used his own sword to cut off his head. You say, that doesn't sound meek. <laughs> well, it's exactly what meekness is. What was David's... The Bible says that David had one desire that consumed him more than any other, and that was to dwell in the house of the Lord. David's desire was peace above all else. Everything. He was a meek man because he understood that the cause was greater than him, and he could take the wrongs and not be broken. He could take the aggression and not be defeated. That's what meekness is. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 through 16. 1 Peter 4, I just doubled down on my page there, 12 through 16, the Bible says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice insomuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, on their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody or in other man's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, now this is the On Being Christian podcast, and listen to what the Bible says about a Christian. If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. On what behalf? On suffering. As a Christian, I, I glorify God on the behalf of suffering. You say, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that meekness is a man or a woman who can take the aggression, who can take the suffering and, and stand and not, not give in, not compromise, not be broken, not because of their strength, a separate from God, but because of God's strength in them. That's why it says in verse uh, verse 4, it says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is going to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. This is exactly what happens in our life quite often. We get saved, and the Lord lets things happen. And then we think this fiery trial, these trials of life, these, these obstacles, we act like... No one's ever gone through this before. We act like, oh, this is, pray for me. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Folks, that's the opposite of meekness. Meekness in the heart of a man or a woman that goes through these trials as a Christian says, it's because of God's strength. It's not strange that I'm going through these things. In fact, 
I will glory in the name of the Lord because I'm going through these things, because in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. And when everyone watches you go through things that would break anybody else, they're going to say, what's different about you? And in that moment, the Bible says, be ready always to have an answer for those uh, of the hope that lies within you. Be ready always. In that moment, you can say, I have a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves me, who saved me, and helps me through the things and trials and contemplations of life, and he loves you and he wants to do the same thing for you. That's exactly what being a Christian is all about, being a testimony of the cause of Christ. So what does it mean to be meek? It doesn't mean to be broken. It doesn't mean to be scared, apprehensive. It means that you're going to, with strength of Christ, with the strength of God, be able to take aggression without being broken without being broken. There's been situations in my life where I've been able to do this, and regretfully, and to my shame, there's been situations in life where I've not been able to do it. One of the most common things, or one of the most recent things that I remember, was a, a group of people that had decided um, I was enemy number one to them, and um, in front of a bunch of other people, they decided to have their say. And it was... It, it was different. <laughs> it was different. Um, but by God's grace, I was allowed to sit there. I, I just, I, I sat there. I listened to everything that they had to say or, or everything that they screamed and uh, all the lies, all the, the twisted opinions and, and, the, and the exaggerations, all of it, it all came out. And sitting there and taking that, I realized something. That in that action, that in, in the action the Lord gave me the power to just sit and take it, those who were witnessing what was going on were seeing something that I could not do. They were seeing a, me do something that God was doing through me. I'm not trying to impress you with who I am. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm just trying to say this. If you're a Christian and you claim to love the Lord, the Lord certainly does love you. Don't be surprised when the Lord allows you to go through things in life that are fiery, that are hard. Meekness is not about being defeated and broken and weak. Meekness is about being of the mindset that through the strength of God, I can take the aggression. I can take the fiery trials. I can take the conflict, and I can stand. I can stand because of God's ability and power in me to keep me on my feet. I don't have to answer folly. I don't have to answer the fool according to his folly, as Proverbs says. I can stand, sometimes in silence, on where the Lord put me, on the spot the Lord put me, with confidence and, and assurance that I am exactly where I should be. And as long as I'm doing that, that form of meekness is not weakness, it's strength. At times we act as if being meek means playing the role of victim. But it is more about understanding that you are a conqueror through the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have accepted Christ, be meek toward others for him. You will never be a victim again. I want to spend a little bit of time on that. I want you to understand that, folks. If you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will never 
be a victim again. I'm not saying that there's not going to be things that happen to you. I'm not saying that you're going to go through life untouched. I'm saying Jesus Christ is your father. And through him, you have great, unimaginable victory. For a time, Christ might let you go through things. He's attempting to grow you. He's attempting to mature you past the immediate contemplation that most often we are so focused on, which is ourself. The Lord sometimes has to walk us through deep water or through the fire so that these self-promotional ideas about about who we are uh, fade away. And we learn to, in our weakness, in our lack, we learn to lean completely on the power of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, completely on his power. Not just sometimes. That's the other thing about being a Christian. We, most of the time, we just ask the Lord to help us. And if we can't do it, Lord, take over. But as soon as we're back on solid ground, you get back in the back seat, give me the steering wheel, because I'm right driving this bus. That's the opposite of what Christianity is. Christianity means giving control over to the Lord completely. 100% completely. No looking back. That's what meekness is. Most of the time, though, we were too invested in the idea of ourself. We're too invested in the direction that we would like to see our life go. We're too invested in the promotional aspect of our own value and the promotional aspect of what we've been called to do, which is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a testimony of his salvation. That fades. That drifts away. That that becomes null and void because we're too invested in ourself. You understand this. If you're a father or you're a mother, you understand this concept by relating it to your children. You would like your children to be strong but not be bullies. You would like your children to be confident but not arrogant. You would like your children to be uh, reliable but not egotistical. These are things that you want for your kids. Well, you understand our Heavenly Father wants the same things for us. How does he do this? Well, conflict creates maturity. I had a group of people tell me one time, we didn't have any conflict, and they were referring directly to my preaching. They said, we didn't have any conflict until you came here. (laughs) And I thought to myself, Well, you're telling me that like it's a good thing. You're telling me that you've never had any conflict by any of the preaching that you've ever heard, when in fact, in reality, the preaching of the Word of God is confrontational. It will confront the old man. That's exactly what the Bible's meant to do, is to confront those parts of us that God says need to be changed. And so if you get through life never having to go through conflict, never having to go through confrontation. What type of person are you? You've heard the saying, uh, good men create good times, good times make soft men, soft men create bad times, bad times make hard men, hard make men good times, and the cycle goes over and over and over again. As a country, you can understand that that's where we are. We've got times that are coming up on us that have been produced by luxurious soft men. Guys don't have an ounce of aggression in their body. They make fun of it. But the reward for the meek 
is the abundance of peace. And aggression doesn't go away when there's no one to stand against it. That's the, that's the real point in some of this that I want you to understand. We have this misaligned uh, conception of aggression. Aggression stops because someone stops it. Folks, do you understand this? Evilness, aggression, violence, it stops because someone stops it. And the meek are the ones who stop it because they take the wrong. They take the aggression without being broken. That's what a Christian is supposed to be. I might add that's what a Christian is supposed to be both secularly and spiritually. Someone who can take the aggression, take the fiery trials, take it and not be broken. Are you that person? Or to touch on last week a little bit, are you a victim? Do you define yourself as a survivor of something? And you let that victimized identity tag along with you throughout life. It's a sad reality, folks. <clears throat> it's a sad reality. One of the things, and I'll leave you with this, my heart goes out to the Vietnam veterans. Coming back as a veteran of OIF and OEF, um, there may have been certain political aspects of our country that didn't approve of the war. But by that point in American culture, we had learned our lessons from Vietnam. We learned that if I don't approve of the war, I can still approve of the warrior. And so most of us came back to supportive, to a supportive culture. Uh, most of us came back to people saying, thank you for your service and those types of things. The Vietnam guys didn't come back to that. They were meek, they stood in the gap, and they came back to vitriol and hatred. My heart goes out to them. I used to be a veterans counselor, and I had one in my office, a Vietnam veteran, and he said the first time someone had thanked him for his service was in the late 1990s. He'd been back for over two decades, and no one had ever seen fit to look him in the eyes and shake his hand and say thank you. There was a warrior who stood in the gap, meekness, and he inherited peace, an abundance of peace as a result of it. The country he lived in didn't understand it. And I would make a case for even though the fact that they are saying thank you for your service, the country that you and I are living in now rapidly moving, regressing towards a position where they, they fail to understand that the meek inherit the earth. And the meekness is not a weakness, it's a strength. It's a strength specifically... Um, powered and relied upon by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The meek, chapter 5, verse 5 of Matthew. I'll go back there and read our text and we'll be all done. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, the Bible says here, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I hope you have gotten something from this concerning the requirement as a Christian to be meek. We're going to pick it up right there next week in chapter 5, verse 6, which says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's another thing that our culture is not doing much of, hungering and thirsting after righteousness. We're hungering and thirsting after every other God-forsaken thing, um, but certainly not after God himself and after righteousness. We're going to look at that next week and see how that applies to our lives. Folks, thank you so much. This is, uh, I don't remember, 31 or 32 or 33, podcast 31, I think it's 33, 32, something like that. You'll know it before... I know it because it'll be on the thumbnail of the On Being Christian podcast. My name is Nolan Ruby. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me at wasatchfrontbaptistchurch.com. That's W-A-S-A-T-C-H frontbaptistchurch.com. Under the drop-down menu, you can get my email or you can get my direct phone number. Father, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. And as we dismiss and go our separate ways and go about our day, I pray that you'd help us, Father, to walk worthy of these things that you've left us, that we would be meek and strengthened by what you've told us, not because of any specific value that we see in ourselves, but because of our weakness and the value which we see in you. Father, helping us walk worthy is nothing short of a miracle in and of itself. So we leave these things in your hands and ask that you'd go with us. We give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. See you later, folks.